Hallelujah. Imagine that you're walking down the road. First picture. On your left is the world calling. On your right is the Lord calling. Then you all decide to answer to the Lord and His calling. And you go to the right side to where God has called you. And many people stop there and they think once they are on God's side, everything is safe, everything is good. But that's when the world turns its volume up a notch or two. The things that tempted you will call you into the world. Moses told Pharaoh to let God's people go and God said, yeah. I mean, and the Pharaoh said, yeah, they can worship here. In other words, the devil will make you compromise thinking you can have God, but on the side you can do all this hanky-panky nonsense. And the world will increase its calling. What happens when you accept the Lord? Imagine that you're playing a video game. Immediately your faith level goes up. Because Jesus is the author of our faith in God. Not our faith in ATM or the chair or the chair that we sit in, but our faith in God. Let's say it is 50 or 60%. So here you have a tank of faith and it's 60% full. And faith comes by hearing the word of God and praying in tongues and a lot, lot of things. Yeah, whatever you do to increase your faith, you do that. But on the other side, while you're with God, there is another tank called unbelief that can exist at the same time your faith exists. And here's the problem. If your faith level is 60 and your unbelief is 61, it'll, be, it'll win all the time. So, the process we call sanctification is one, yes, to increase our faith, to purify our faith. How do we purify our faith? 
by lessening the unbelief and making it zero. Doesn't matter if your faith is 95% full, if your unbelief is 96%, what good will it do? And here Jesus is saying, you need faith only as little as a mustard seed, provided you don't have any unbelief. So the things in the world that cause unbelief hinder our walk with Christ. How do we get rid of that? The Bible says in the New Covenant to offer to Him a sacrifice of praise. And I've told you already two things mainly that cause you to go away from the Lord. One is offense. If you're offended with Jesus, if you're offended with the church, with the man of God, you'll do funny things. I've heard of people even changing their religion because of offense. It shows that they really didn't know Jesus. The other thing is condemnation. The Lord is not out to condemn you. In Romans 8.1 it says, There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, who walk according to the Spirit. So, if you are burdened, weighed down by this guilt, cast your burdens to the Lord. Jesus himself said, Blessed is he who is not offended because of me. If there is any offense in anything that anyone has done, forgive them so that you will be forgiven. And this is the time for you and God to talk. Some people say it's prayer, but there is a difference when it's done during a gathering of believers who believe in the same thing that is a scripture. He who the Son of Man sets free is free indeed. So I want you to open your mouth and praise Him and thank Him. Enter His gates with thanksgiving and praise. Remove that burden from your back, that unbelief that you carry around, which stops God from working in your life and the Holy Spirit will burn away all shaft hallelujah fan the flames of fire you didn't come here for a show you came here to get right with God so that God's power will flow into your life 
and sets you and your family free and from there your cup will run over and set your religious free your friends free and there you can be true witnesses of whom Jesus is and what he's done for you but it starts here and now with you offering to him a sacrifice of praise i don't gain anything by you doing this and that doesn't matter to me i'm telling you i'm advising you as your pastor as your teacher i'm telling you this is what you must do to get close to god hebrews 12 14 it talks about not seeing god because of offenses because of you being unholy these things tarnish you and because of that you tend to isolate yourself and if you read proverbs 18 the man who isolates himself rages against wise judgment so don't be in a place where you feel you cannot come back to the lord you can is that good He extends his grace and his mercy and his loving kindness to you. Confess your sins before him. He is able to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Put away all filthiness and receive with meekness. Hallelujah. Lift up your voices and praise him. Hallelujah. Shout out unto him. Hallelujah. We're singing Great is your faithfulness to me. We're singing that he'll be steadfast. We're singing that he is a god of covenant all this will depend on what you believe and what you believe god is i'll give you an example in 2003 There was a movie released called Gospel of John. It starred Henry Henry Ian Cusick as Jesus of Nazareth. And it was a word for word adaptation of the Gospel of John. And in 2019 another movie was made about the 
disciples of Jesus, it starred Jonathan Rumi as Jesus of Nazareth. The Gospel of John, the one that was released in 2003, is a word-for-word adaptation of the Good News Bible and basically follows the Gospel of John in the Bible precisely. The actors were given the Bible and said, Act. So it's an accurate depiction of the scriptures. The Chosen, on the other hand, is based on true stories of the gospel of Jesus Christ and is only inspired by the Bible. So it's not the Bible. It's inspired by what's in the Bible. And a lot of artistic freedom or imagination is taken in that endeavor to make it a TV show. You could say there's nothing wrong with that and I would agree, but some of it is good, but some of it is downright demonic. And I'm talking about myself because it makes it impossible for me to continue watching it. However, Jonathan Rumi, who portrays Jesus, he represents Jesus of Nazareth accurately in a way that Henry Ian Cusick did not portray enough. That is that Jesus was joyful. We fail to see how joyful our Lord was. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with the Gospel of John. No, it could be the way that it was understood. Maybe if they were more spirit-filled, they will understand, they would have understood that Jesus was actually joyful. And here's the problem. For someone who's being introduced to Jesus, the seriousness that is portrayed in the movie Gospel of John can be understood wrongly. Because Jesus was not a Pharisee. On the other hand, he was not a long-haired hippie either. This is very difficult to make you understand that. You may understand these terms. But if I were to lay down certain rules like you dress your Sunday best for Sunday. What is Sunday best? I heard a pastor say you wear the most expensive clothes on Sunday. And I was thinking at that time, the most expensive pant I had was a pair of jeans. And if I wore that, this pastor would relegate me to hell straight away, yes? That's the kind of pastor he was, yes? So 
That's why I don't have a rule. And you can't have a covered police. Because in Ten Commandments, he says, you shall not covet neighbor's donkey, yes? I know none of you are coveting your neighbor's donkey because your neighbor properly does not have a donkey, yes? But you know what it means, yes? How can you go around policing that? You can't. That's why it's difficult to explain this concept to you that Jesus was neither a Pharisee nor a long RDP. You need to understand through scriptures who Jesus Christ really is. And one thing is that he is joyful. What? Why? Why is there sorrow in this world? Because of sin. He was totally sinless. So how can he be sorrowful? He was angry, yes, when people did not go according to Father's thing, heart, he was angry. That was righteous anger, righteous indignation. But just because he's angry doesn't mean that he was serious all the time. Meaning he was not unapproachable. He said, I'm meek and lowly. Come to me, poor, heavy and fury. On the other hand, you have people who equates love with, I don't know, compromise. If you show them a lot of light, they think you look the other way. If you show them a lot of love, they'll think you look the other way. Because they equate that with lack of strictness. God will not look the other way if you sin. If you sin, it's still a sin. But the grace is given to you to get back up if you sin. If you fall, get up. That, In that way, God doesn't condemn you. Whether it be murder or abortion or lying, whatever it is, get up, get back. God knows you sinned. That is called grace. Do you understand? So people misunderstand joy for stupidity. I don't know what. They think if you're joyful, they think that you are not strict. No. And I'm, I was complaining to God. I was saying, Lord, people think I'm strict. But I'm not. I don't compromise on the word of God, but I'm not strict. And I was surprised when the Lord told me that I have the same problem, that he has the same problem. People don't understand how good God is. We're thinking that God is out to get us. He's not. That is what we're singing. Great is your faithfulness to us. He's somehow trying to bless you. But you cannot understand that without the Holy Spirit. I said before, it's difficult to make you understand that. But here's the thing. How do I understand with the Holy Spirit? And that is not the understanding that I had 20 years ago. 
it goes on and on and on and I'm ever learning about how good God is. It starts with the Holy Spirit. For without the Holy Spirit, who alone can reveal more of Jesus Christ, we are left of the vain imagination. We think God is like that. God is like that. My father was distant when it comes to certain things, so I think God was like that. It took some years for God to show me how God really is, how He really is. And the problem is that sometimes even Scripture is viewed and understood by your worldview. If you think God is somewhere distant and that's your worldview, you that's how when you read scriptures, that's how you interpret them. And that's probably what happened in that movie, Gospel of John. When you read this, yes, the strictness of Jesus comes through. And yes, there are places where Jesus smiles and all that, but nothing like how Jonathan represents Jesus in the Chosen. I'm not saying all of you run to Chosen, yeah? And watch Chosen, that, that something is wrong with that. And I'm telling you, it's not from God, yes? But I'm not going to go into that, yes? I mean, not the movie, but what is wrong is not from God, yes? But what it is, you can ask me and I'll speak to you personally. I'll explain what it is. So, even scripture is viewed and understood by your worldview. And that is why we need to renew our mind. For example, when you have the Bible. Okay, I use my phone as a Bible. Yes? There should be an equal sign between my head and the Bible. For that day. It may not be an equal sign when I look back, because I know how far I've come. But that day, God says what? Be perfect. And he perfects that which concerns you. And that is a process called sanctification. It's not spooky. You submit to God, and then God does the rest. That's why I'm telling you to cast your burdens unto Jesus. Not to keep quiet. Whatever it is. Now, sing it out. Say it out loudly. Why? Not because God is deaf, but because of who you are. You remember the faith and the unbelief? That your voice has to go beyond all reasoning that is against the word of God. Against the promises of God strongholds that's why you need to shout let's all stand up and sing the same song yeah hallelujah some of you are feeling dry It's not because the Lord is not here. The Lord is indeed working in our lives. Don't worry about your feelings. 
trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. And the peace that surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. I want you all of you to sit down and just meditate on what the Lord is doing right now. Because the Lord is doing something in our lives. Something tangible. If there is something that is in your heart, take it up to the Lord. The Lord is speaking to somebody here. And the Lord is not loving me to show or point out who that person is, but the Lord is telling, I forgive you. Don't be condemned by the lies that you've read and heard. Lies of the enemy, Satan, of the dark side. rise up is not by your merit it is purely god's gift to you that you're saved that you walk worthy of your calling in christ hallelujah you know who you are You don't have to tell me that this is for you, no. It's for you. I'll know by the fruit in your life. For some of you, the Lord is giving you an opportunity to start again a fresh start doesn't matter how young you are or how old you are because that's nothing compared to eternal life Luke 7:47 it says she who has been forgiven loves much forgiven much loves much the Lord has forgiven you he doesn't hold anything against you come clean come as you are sin no more said our Lord Jesus Christ to that woman in John chapter 8 who was caught in the act of adultery sin no more Cast your burdens unto me, says the Lord. His word says that. His presence is here.
as a team of ministry you're called to give and not to to suck everything to you know is called to give so sit sit you can sit i'll give you an example i was in another another country and because i knew the pastor i was in that church and this church had a visiting pastor he had come from another country so this visiting pastor was supposed to give the sermon that sunday and everybody was eagerly expecting the miraculous because he is known for that for the gift of prophecy and healing and deliverance but 2 minutes into him saying the prayer he decided to dive on the floor and stay there for 3 hours how did the congregation benefit from him lying on the floor i looked at the pastor the pastor looked at me and we looked at him he was lying on the floor we did not know what to do so we let just let him lie there and move the podium to the other side and the pastor could preach a sermon that sunday when everything was over he got up people who are ministering are supposed to give not to receive i'm talking to all of you there's a time to receive and a time to give and so this for you is a time to receive from the lord i'm talking to all of you it's not the time to shut god out with your ego or whatever it may be David told his wife I'll be even more undignified than this because his wife asked him is this how a king behaves dancing in front of servants like this and the bible tells us that this woman was barren for the rest of her life Don't mock God. He's a good God. And I'm not saying all this to condemn you or because God is angry with you. I'm telling you because you need to know the truth and the truth will set you free. Amen. Amen. Let's partake of the Lord's table. Hallelujah. in the beginning i told you that we must know jesus accurately and so i asked god what is the best way to show how 
Jesus was who he is. And the Lord said, explain through scripture when my presence is there. Don't let the reading be dry, but in my presence is the fullness of joy. And explain what this means when I say that, when I'm, I'm talking about scripture. So let's go to Luke 4, 18 to 19. Continue playing it. Luke 4, 18 to 19. This is when Jesus went to the synagogue after he was filled with the Holy Spirit and the first time he went and appeared in the synagogue and he took the scroll and he read out a portion that is from Isaiah. We know it's from Isaiah 61 and it I'm reading in Luke chapter 4, 18 to 19. It says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind to set at liberty those who are oppressed and to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. There are many things that are said here and I've explained that yesterday. And if you want to watch that, I've uploaded that video. But here the Lord is highlighting a couple of things. It says, He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. What does it say? He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. Yes? Now, in the old covenant, the Lord is near to those who have a broken heart. But that is not the same thing in the new covenant. There's a difference in the covenant. In the old covenant, when something clean touched what's unclean, that something clean became unclean. In the new covenant, when something clean touched the unclean, the unclean became clean, becomes clean. Do you understand? Yes? If you go to Psalm 34, 18, it says the Lord is near to those who have a broken heart and saves such as have a contrite spirit. Come. Anu. You are the Lord. See, I have a broken heart. Actually, my shoulder is hurting. Imagine. My shoulder is not really hurting, but imagine. The Lord is near to those who have shoulder pain. That's not near. That's in the old covenant. Yes? What good is that? I can say, ah, the Lord is near me. 
Do you understand? This is the old covenant, yes? But in the new covenant, don't go anywhere, yes? I'm speaking to the Lord, remember that, yes? The new covenant in Matthew 5, 4, it says, Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. They shall be comforted. Because you are the temple of the Holy Ghost. The Lord can do something about that pain in my shoulder from within. The Lord is no longer near me. Why? Because the Spirit of the Lord is upon me, says Jesus. You can go sit down, Jesus. Yes? Do you understand? Yes? So this is, there are many differences between the old covenant and the new covenant. But you need to understand them. And if you don't understand them, says Bible says, my people perish because they do not know. Do you understand this? So, I want you all to rise up and continue worshipping as the Lord reveals himself to you. Jesus came to set at liberty those who are oppressed. The devil comes to steal, kill and destroy. But Jesus came to set at liberty. He comes to give you fullness of life. And we read in Romans 15, 13, it says, Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. So anything and everything that has to do with joy comes through the power of the Holy Spirit because that power alone can give you hope make you abound in hope and you receive the Holy Spirit and the hope when you believe in the Prince of Peace that Jesus is the Prince of Peace and he was filled with all joy for he's a God of hope that fills you with all joy. Hallelujah. This joy is not to be taken lightly. For we read in Nehemiah 8.10 that the joy, the joy the, is our strength. The joy of the Lord is our strength. And in Proverbs 15 Verse 13 says, A merry heart makes a cheerful countenance, but by sorrow of the heart, the spirit is broken. We read again in Proverbs 17:22, A merry heart does good like medicine, but a broken spirit tries the bones. 
This is why Paul tells the church in Philippi in the epistle to the Philippians chapter 4 verse 4 says rejoice in the Lord always again I say rejoice why because the Lord is at hand because Jesus is there in Isaiah 61:3 says to console who mourn in Zion to give them beauty for ashes the oil of joy for mourning the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness that they may be called trees of righteousness the planting of the lord that he may be glorified the oil of joy for mourning the only thing that can take away the sadness and this depression that is eventually and ultimately the result of sin is the oil of joy when we need that we need to ask the lord for that more of that it's not that the lord has not given that to you but you need to praise him it is the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness if you're feeling heavy This is not the time to sit down and relax. It's the time to praise Him. Fight the good fight of faith. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Offer up thanksgiving. Let's all stand to our feet and come and praise instead of the spirit of heaviness. Hallelujah. Let's worship Him. The oil of glory joy shall fill you the oil of gladness shall be yours is yours in luke 4 we read from 18 to 19 in verse 19 he says to proclaim Jesus said to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. The way I understand it, the way I make it easy for you to understand is that this is the year. I'm not talking about 2023 or 2024. This is the time where the lord accepts you in spite of who you are hallelujah we have nothing to offer him but our hallelujahs but our praises and we can and if you walk worthy of his calling he can use us that is a privilege to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord if sin is burdening you if you're burdened by sin confess that in 1 John 1:9 says confess your sin to the Lord and he's able to forgive hallelujah 
New beginnings, new beginnings. I see new beginnings. Hallelujah. An acceptable year of the Lord. There's a coming judgment and we are safe from the wrath of God. Not because of who we are or who we are, but because of His grace. Is that good? And all we can offer is our hallelujahs. What does hallelujah means mean? It means praise the Lord. Continue. During this time, the Lord was reminding me about that verse in Joel 2.25 that he will restore the years the locust has eaten. We will see that restoration in our life into the shame God will honor us. He'll strengthen us as we trust Him. Do not crumble against the Lord, but be thankful for what he has done for you thus far and this day. In Jesus' name. And the church said, Amen.